Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am Fact's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today's podcast, I want to pause for a moment and give a heartfelt thank you to Genentech for sponsoring today's show. Welcome back, Elisa, to Facts Roundtable Podcast. We are absolutely thrilled to have you here because I know today is going to be yet another wonderful and very informative conversation with you. Thanks so much, Caroline. I'm so glad to be back uh, to chat with everybody today. This is going to be exciting. This is. So we're going to dive just straight in here. Juneteenth is coming up on June 19th, but let's start right at the basics with a history lesson as to what took place on June 19th in 1865. Okay, so on June 19th, 1865, the last around 250,000 or so slaves found out that they were free, that they were in fact free. However, Slaves themselves had been freed two years before in 1863 with the Emancipation Proclamation. And unfortunately, it took two years for them to actually even be notified that they had been freed. So it was a Union general named Gordon Gerard who made his way to Galveston, Texas. And once he got to Galveston, Texas, he was able to let people know that they were no longer enslaved persons. And because of that, you know, with them being the last of it, that kind of became its own version of an Independence Day for people who had been enslaved. So now fast forward to today, the ancestors of people that had been part of that time period celebrate that. And it's been celebrated over the years until different states kind of did little this, little that. Families would do a little this, do a little that. But then last year, it became finally a federal holiday so that there was recognition of it. I didn't realize it was only last year that it became a federal holiday. For some reason, I was thinking that had already taken place. No, it was, I want to say it was somewhere around June 13th or 15th, something like that of last year was when it actually became an actual federal holiday. It's really interesting because I've known about it for a very long time and other people have known about it and different states have done different things, but for it to be celebrated on that national level. So one of the things that was interesting last year, because it did become a federal holiday, was companies were scrambling all over the place trying to figure out how they could get their employees to celebrate it, how they could do some. So some companies would do, maybe you could get a few hours off that day, you could get a half day off that day until they could actually kind of get things in place because it was, you know, later in the year that it kind of like finally went through. So you just mentioned that different companies are doing different things to honor it. So when a holiday like this becomes a national holiday, how does that impact all of us? 
For this particular holiday, the employees actually will be able to recognize that holiday this year. It will be observed this year on June 19th. And just like traditional federal holidays, brick and mortar buildings are closed. However, there are some post offices that are available, you know, kind of 24-7, including on holidays. But you have to actually check your local post office to see what that looks like for you. But it is, in fact, a federally recognized holiday, just like the other holidays of New Year's and President's Day and Memorial Day and all those sorts of things. Well, that's exciting. So now going straight into celebrating Juneteenth, how is this important holiday traditionally celebrated? You did mention different families doing different things, but now that we're in these modern times, how do people celebrate? Like last year, I noticed I've seen people celebrating with art and cultural events and educations and food. And there's just a lot of really interesting and wonderful things taking place. But are there any specific traditions that are carried forward? Absolutely. Because so many states themselves did have people in the individual states that were recognizing Juneteenth, there are longstanding events that have been in place. Like I'm in the Atlanta area, for instance. So Juneteenth has been a thing, if you want to put it that way, in Atlanta for a long time. So there are festivals that are all over that are continuing. The great thing about them being a federal holiday is now you're able to kind of broaden that a little bit to be able to get more people involved, to be able to have people do things on Juneteenth itself as opposed to kind of waiting to a weekend, the weekend before or the weekend after, you know, depending on what day of the week that it actually falls on. So I think that people are just really expanding some of what they're doing and really also bringing in other cultures or people who didn't know what Juneteenth was and why it's actually important. You just mentioned you were living in Atlanta, but I also know you're from Delaware. So looking at your family and with you living now in the South, how is Juneteenth different around the country? It's really interesting because even in Delaware, they had kind of like a more of like smaller segmented group that would kind of put something together for Juneteenth. Um, And you'd kind of see it like in this little pocket, but it would be pretty much kind of like one area doing it. But one thing I noticed about the Atlanta area is that you've got Juneteenth festivals that are happening all over. For one, the Atlanta area, of course, the state itself, Georgia being bigger, but it's more widely recognized and you have more people doing things. You have establishments doing things as opposed to just the people themselves. You have Juneteenth parades that actually happen. You have radio stations that are involved. There's a lot more happening. Now, what is your family going to do for Juneteenth? We are going to find one of the many festivals and actually be part of it, enjoy some of the the food and drink that they have. One thing historically on Juneteenth, a lot of red drinks and red food, you know, things that kind of come along with a Juneteenth festival. So things like red velvet cake or red drinks like a strawberry soda or something like that, which strawberry soda, interestingly enough, is one of my favorite sodas. If I ever drink soda, I don't drink it very often. But it's really interesting because I know that now with my daughter being part of, you know, the food allergy world, we even have some red velvet cookies we might actually bring into the house this time around. So that's a good thing. Now, why red? Well, you know, the thing of it is when you think about various colors, you know, what red, black and green tend to kind of signify a lot when it comes to the black community, often sometimes even with the Caribbean community. And when you think about the color red itself, there's strength in that. There's the blood of the people that have really been sacrificed over the years. So it just is a color that just kind of goes along with it. And we just follow the traditions. There's a lot of different stories as to why that's the case. But I just know that strawberry soda is going to be on the agenda for me. 
I love strawberry soda, and that's hard to find, at least out here on the West Coast. Not easy to find, but it is yummy. It's actually pretty easy to find here in Atlanta, which is really interesting, though. Now, are there specific foods that families generally enjoy, or is it just get outdoors and enjoy? Well, a lot of it is going to be get out and enjoy. From my perspective, it there's a lot of respect that goes along with it because, like I mentioned, there's different reasons why people think about that red. For instance, for me, what I was always taught was that it was about the blood that was shed and being able to making sure that we're respectful of that. When you think about that, you want to think about some of the traditional foods that people might have cooked back in slavery days. And a lot of times they had a lot of the scraps was pretty much what they were eating. So things like eating the collard greens and eating, you know, other foods and things like that which now are more of a delicacy than anything, right? So we definitely are going to have some of those traditional types of foods and and kind of look for that. You'll also see a lot of times there's a lot of fish fries that actually happen. Now, my daughter can't participate in that, but I can participate in that. So a lot of it is going to be more things that are kind of like barbecued and grilled, things that you would cook outside, you know, and especially thinking back to those days with slavery, how they would actually cook their own foods. They weren't going to be necessarily in the big house cooking their foods, but they would have been externally doing that. So really kind of taking into consideration some of that. So turning to your food allergy life here, how can listeners incorporate food allergy safety into Juneteenth celebrations? Do you have any tips that you can share with us? I think that this is a great opportunity for people to start their own celebrations. You have a unique opportunity to find out more information about Juneteenth now simply because more people realize the existence of it and the relevance of it. So in that space, I think that especially in the, in the world of food allergy, we can create some of our own traditions. Find out some of the food allergy safe products that are out there that kind of go in line with this. And even if you're going to events, don't be afraid to take your own safe foods or if you are connected to the event provider then at that point, you can speak with them as well to make sure that you have something that's safe. So the opportunity to continue to be vigilant is still there, regardless of what these things are. Make sure that you're going to have your epinephrine with you and everything else that you need. And if you're going to an event, I will say you've always got to scope out things and know where the nearest medical facility is. Excellent advice. Thank you. Now, for those of us who always work toward being an ally, what suggestions do you have for listeners who want to uplift Juneteenth? What would be an appropriate way to support our friends celebrating and for us to celebrate, too? Because I think as Americans, this is a really important holiday. Absolutely. A lot of the festivals, the events and things like that, they take place and they're successful because of volunteers like you and me. So take the time out, do a quick internet search of finding out what's happening in your area. Ask people, are you looking for volunteers for that day? Do you need help for that day? If you know other people that actually celebrate Juneteenth, ask them what they're doing. Ask them if you can be a part of it. Can you support it? It's all about asking the questions instead of assuming. Wonderful. Thank you. Absolutely fantastic advice. So now for listeners who, again, want to be an ally and want to dive even deeper, how can they find national or local organizations to learn more about Juneteenth? Again, simple internet search. You look at the Black Chamber of Commerce and see if there's information there. You can look at the NAACP's website. You can listen to local radio. You can also go on to some sites like maybe Volunteer Match to see if there's something there that you can do. 
Also, local community centers are great places to find out what's actually happening. Even with some of our older citizens, many of the nursing homes may have some things as well. And you could go there and volunteer to help and support them in those spaces. Even with schools, there are a lot of places that you can actually begin to start, you know, finding out where these events are actually going to happen. And for listeners, I will put these organizations that Elisa mentioned in the show notes so you can learn a little more about it. Now, circling back to your family, Elisa, do you have a favorite memory, maybe from your childhood over the last few years? Actually, my memory is one that involves my kids. So they went to a African-inspired summer camp for several years. I was very much into getting my kids into learning about various cultures. And in that summer camp, they would teach the kids how to speak some words in Swahili. They would teach them various African dances from different countries in Africa. And they also would have them create a traditional meal, as well as make glasses and plates and things like that, that were inspired by various African cultures. But in that, when it came time for Juneteenth, they actually had a Juneteenth celebration for the kids. And I thought that was really great for them to understand how that African culture actually transpired all the way through, all the way through slavery until up until today. So when they did this event and they were dancing out in the yard and they were really enjoying themselves, and being able to be part of that Juneteenth Day Parade, that was something that was amazing for me. That is wonderful. Well, before we wrap up today, do you have anything you would like to share with listeners? The one thing I'd like to share with listeners is this. There are a lot of traditions, cultural traditions uh, that are religious traditions, you know, family traditions that are so different. And people think oftentimes, well, that's not for me. That's not about me. It's actually about all of us. The more we learn about one another, the less division we actually have. So that's what I like to say. That's when we're calling people in instead of calling people out. I want people that don't typically understand or even celebrate Juneteenth to celebrate it so that they really understand the different cultures, the way that people communicate. It's the same thing when you have other cultures, things that happen, whether it's Native American, Greek culture, any culture that's out there, right? Make sure that you're supporting people and becoming part of this so you have this knowledge. And that's how we actually make this thing called this melting pot we have in America. That's how we make it work is when we really learn and appreciate others and we draw people in instead of just calling people out. So celebrating, obviously, is a wonderful thing to do. But with today's cancel culture, I think it gets confusing as to how far you can go where you're not misappropriating and you're actually now disrespecting someone's culture. So can you talk to us a little more about that? Again, that goes back into one of my biggest things that I say all the time. Asking is better than doing sometimes. And people really have to ask the question. Now, if you're going to show up at this event and you're going to be all dressed in, you know, some sort of attire, uh, the Juneteenth-ish type of attire, and you might not necessarily be a person who's of that culture, you might be looked at a little bit funny. They might think that you're, you know, they might misconstrue your support for you making fun of someone or mocking someone. And you don't want to do that. You want to go to these events and have the mindset of learning, learning and paying attention and just being supportive, learning, learning, learning. And that's how you kind of get around that. Thank you again for your time, Elisa. We know you're extremely busy and we just really appreciate you on the FACT team, 
guiding us, leading us, providing us with all this wonderful information. But today's podcast has just been wonderful. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I wanted to thank you from fact. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Caroline. I love doing these. I love helping to educate people because we are all in this thing together, but we've got to learn along the way. Perfectly said. We are in this together and we're learning together. So thank you again for your time. Before we sign off today, I just want to take one more moment to say thank you to Genentech for sponsoring FACTS Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for listening to FACTS Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.